to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter number 5, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. Both references will be texts, and so we're going to read both of them right off the bat here. We started a series last Sunday. I don't know what we're calling it, something about marriage. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the title of it, something about marriage. But uh, we're talking about the role of the husband, the role of the wife in the marriage relationship and how to make that, that, those two roles blend together and, and work. Amen. 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 Now, all the emails, I'm going to try to get through all the emails I got all week <laughs> and say everything that your spouse told me to say. <laughs> Amen. We're going to even wait out where angels fear to tread this morning. If we can get to it, we're going to see if we can get to it. Now notice here in Ephesians chapter 5, let's start reading in verse number, well, submitting, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, in the reverence of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Not just men in general. This is an issue between man and his wife, not men and women in general. Let the wives be... uh, 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 Let's see here. The husband is the head of, verse 23, the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Then verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And gave, notice this word, gave himself for it. Wives like, and, and, and ladies in general, of course, but our wives like nice gifts and things, jewelry and all that. But none of that, none of that means anything if, if they don't have you. You know what I mean? You're not giving of yourself. You know, it takes more effort sometimes to go spend some time with your wife and, and just, you know, be sweethearts together than it does to go buy something. If you're a guy, you know what I mean by that. All right. So, because we're not all that social sometimes. Well, thank you for all the help at the beginning here. Makes me want to preach this. <laughs> we, could, we could, you know, <laughs> spend all week in the woods and grow a beard and not talk to anybody and be happy. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? But, you know, the, our wives need some of our time and our attention and, you know, just some of our love and so forth. But notice verse 26. He, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Those words, holy and without blemish, tells you what he means by no spot or wrinkle. He's talking about spiritual blemishes and so forth. Now here we talked about this quite a bit last week. Uh, I'm going to just remind you of it. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself. The word present means to bring near or to bring beside. So Jesus is not coercing anybody to come to him. He's wooing them by how good he is. Amen. Amen. So that's the way a husband is to woo his wife, not force her and say, well, you know, get a club and beat, beat her over the head with the verse here that says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Well, it says wives. He's not talking to you. Get out of that verse. He's telling the wife to do this herself, not telling the husband to tell her to do it. All right, so it's not, uh, it's not a coercion thing. Now, uh, he said, verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth his, I like to say it this way, loveth his other self. 
because really she's him. I mean, the two became one flesh. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. I really wish we had time. I don't think we will in this series to get into that, that nourish and cherish. But it would do us men a good to learn how to do that. Amen. Nourish, that's what Jesus does to the church. He nourishes and cherishes her. Amen. Amen. Well, there's, uh, there's just one thing I will say. You know, the Bible says over there, I think it's in 1 Timothy chapter 1, either 1 or 2 Timothy chapter 1, but it's in one of those. It says where Paul's talking about uh, ministers, that, that a good minister will nourish people up in the words of faith. Here, he said, husbands are to nourish and cherish their wives. That has a lot to do, not only, but it has a lot to do with the words we speak. Words nourish us. Words, you know, the Bible talks about there, is, there are words that are like the piercing of a sword, you know. But the, the, the words of the wise are health. Yeah. You know, the kinds of words we use, the tone of voice we use, the, 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 and the words themselves that we use, they, they have a lot to do with how well we're doing in our relationships. How many of you know you can use the right words, but the, the tone of voice says something other than what you meant to say? I can say, I love you, I love you, I love you to my wife. Or I can say, well, I love you, you know. <laughs> How many of you know one of them communicates a different message than the other one, although I said the same thing? You know, and so husbands and wives, they know what the tone of voice said. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, so he said there, uh, nourish and cherish it, even as the Lord, the church. We, we'll take some time on that sometime, but I just wanted to say that. Now, we, verse number 30. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Amen. For this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That word is a word we don't necessarily use as much today, but we know what it means. It means to respect, you know. Praise God. All right, over in 1 Peter chapter number 3. There's a whole lot of good there, and we'll get to that again. But 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, uh, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, which of course the word conversation means lifestyle or manner of life, they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That means reverence or respect. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning, plaiting of hair, wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. He's not talking about don't do that, but he's just saying, verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart. In other words, just not, just our, our, uh, uh, we should clean up all right, but it doesn't, that shouldn't be the only thing, you know, that we work on. We should work on our heart and our attitudes and things like that. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Uh, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. Notice that adorning. Actually, Sarah, the Bible tells us very, it's, it, it, he talks about Sarah here, um, being in subjection to their own husbands. And then he said, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. And, and Sarah, if you go back, she adorned herself very nicely. He's not saying don't do that. He's just saying there's something else that needs to be emphasized and not just the outward man, you know. And so, uh, who's adorning? Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Uh, And then even as Sarah, verse 6, 
Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, um, you know, we sometimes jokingly, us guys, we say, I'm trying to get my wife to call me Lord. But really, how many of you know, we, we use different language today, but really we're saying the same thing. It's just a respectful term. You know, today we might say sir or something like that. Now, I don't believe it's as much as, a, as, as saying the right words as it is having the right attitude. You know, somebody can say the right words and have the wrong attitude. He's talking about the attitudes of our heart here. So this is a respectful term. Both ways, there should be respect both ways. In fact, in the verse number, we're getting right down there to verse number uh, 7 is the next verse. Uh, let me go back to verse 6, though. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you, are, are do, you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, God's talked to me a lot about that. We'll get to that here. Likewise, verse 7, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving, what's that? honor. So that's another respect word. So really it's not a one-way thing where the husband just respects her, I mean uh, the wife just respects her husband, but it's a two-way thing. How many of you know honor going one way and only uh, a subservient uh, have to obey coming from the other way is not uh, the plan of God. That's slavery, you know. And really we examine these verses very carefully. you know, it's not a matter of one has to give in to the other all the time and, and one is the big, the, the big kahuna in the house, you know, and bosses around and grumpy and all that. It's not that at all. It's really, remember Ephesians started out with that verse in verse 21, submitting to one another. There's really, uh, men really have a, a role by, uh, by really loving their wife and thinking of what's best for her and of course the family as well. But here it's talking about husbands and wives. They are really, by, by looking out for their interests and not just their own interests, they are submitting to their, their wife. You know, to use a natural illustration that all of us guys can identify with, you know, we might want to go do something with some money we have or something that, that's something we enjoy, but yet your wife has been for a long time wanting something that she hasn't been able to get. You know, and you're not just thinking about you and getting that big truck with the knobby tires that you can run through the mud with. You're thinking about the whole family and her also. Amen. I've seen guys spend money on themselves, wouldn't hardly give their wife any money to get a dr- nice dress or anything, you know, or fix up their hair or get their nails done or anything. Come on, come on. Say that louder, amen. This is your chance. All right. <laughs> Isn't that right? How many of you know that's really submitting to your wife when you're thinking about her well-being, not just what you want? That's really what that is. I mean, it's, it's not just your money anyway. It's together. It's the family's money. Amen. So, um, here he said, likewise, the husband is to dwell with the wife according to knowledge. That means, uh, one translation says, an intelligent recognition of the marriage union. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. The vessel's the body, not necessarily mentally or anything. And being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Wow. Whew, man, there's so much in these verses. I'm telling you what, you get to studying on these verses and you'll find, you'll find things that will correct you and, 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 and tweak you and help you become a better spouse. Amen. So let's dive into some of this this morning. Would that be all right? 
Now, um, back to Ephesians. Let's go back there to, to start doing a little studying and digging. Uh, let's go back there where it says that to the husband and wife that uh, the wife is to submit to her husband. And then it says the husband is the head of the wife, verse 23. Uh, even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Now, that's the verse that a lot of ladies in our culture, I'm not just talking about church people. Church people maybe will understand that better. But a lot of ladies in our culture, they have real trouble with that. And, you know, in some ways, I don't blame them because of some of the things that have happened. You understand what I'm talking about? Um, But, you know, really, that's not necessarily that some of the things that have happened, some of the the male dominance kinds of thinking and and that kind of thing, male chauvinist kinds of things, those things were not God anyway. You You know, you don't see that in these verses anyway. So what, they're, what ladies are sometimes bowing up against is something that is just as unscriptural, you know, as the way they're responding to it, you know. So, you know, in a lot of ways you have don't blame them. But yet on the other hand, we do both have to do our part here. Amen. Now, when it says submit here, this is not for the faint of heart. Now, unless you think this is just ladies are supposed to submit. There's times I've had to submit to my wife. Amen. Dear God. I had to admit she was right. Amen. But if you want a good marriage, you're going to have to do that sometimes. Sometimes people think, the men think, well, you know, I'm the head, so God will only talk to me. He won't talk to my wife. Well, you got another thought coming. Uh, You know, how's that working out for you? You know what I'm talking about? I know many men, in fact, most church, uh, excuse me, many ladies, uh, uh, that uh, if it wasn't for the lady hearing from God, things would have fallen apart a long time ago. Most churches are made up of strong women more than they are strong men. That's changing here at Spirit of Faith Family Church. Hallelujah. I was reading one time over in Acts chapter 6 where it says, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I was meditating on that years ago before I even came here to pastor. And the Lord said to me, he said, A strong church will have men in leadership. Now, he wasn't saying ladies can't be in leadership. That's against other scriptures. You understand? But he's just simply saying it shouldn't be that a church, every department in the church is headed up by a woman. Where's the men? I'm not saying the ladies aren't capable. You understand that. But we ought to at least have 50-50 or something, you know. Not set, not 85, you know, 15 or something. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, um, hallelujah. Some of you are going to like this. Some of you won't. But the submission is not for the faint of heart. It takes submitting. You know, you just take the word submit and it's two words, sub and then mit or, or mission. Submission is submission. That means putting your mission underneath somebody else's. Amen. In other words, put all of your opinions, your feelings, your energies, your knowledge at the disposal of another. It doesn't mean that you're a slave. Neither does it mean, because here the Bible calls the lady the helpmeet, the, the wife the helpmeet. Amen. 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 My brothers and I are talking about, uh, you know, we like to hunt. My, both of my other brothers like to hunt. I have two other brothers. And uh, we all like to hunt. So we're talking about getting together and, you know, just to get together and catch up with one another, do something together we like. So we're talking about going on a hunt trip. I said, you know, all the ladies can come. I was emailing, you know, all the ladies can come too. I said, you know, Bible says they're helpmeet for us, so they help pack out the meat. <laughs> 
I have a sister-in-law, man. She is spunky. She, they both are, but this one is real spunky. She said, ha, 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 you are so funny. Now I know you're married to my brother. His sense of humor is the same. I emailed back and I said, just remember, you and Pastor Debbie picked us. Just remember that. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that what that means? Help pack out the meat. Isn't that what that means, Matt? <laughs> Yeah. Bang. Okay, go get that pheasant for me. No. <laughs> oh. Rebellion, rebellion in the camp. I better get off of that, man. That was. Woo. <laughs> I'm just having fun. You know, Pastor Debbie gets up here and says some things sometimes, so I got to hold my own, you know. Amen. No, that's not just, you know, submission just doesn't mean you just follow everybody's or somebody's every whim and dictate. Amen. Notice what it says here about this, this submission. It says what they're submitting to. Notice verse 23. The husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Christ as the head of the church is not just uh, dictating to us like a dictator. You know, do this, do that. No, he's, he, he loves us and is, is really, he brings us to the place we want to do things for him. Isn't that right? And so here he is, the Savior of the body. Now, the Lord has talked to me about this passage because it says in verse 24, right after it says he's the Savior of the body, it says, therefore, therefore. In other words, because he's so good, therefore, we submit ourselves to him. Isn't that right? Uh, submission, really, uh, it, it's, it's something you have to have faith in God to do. Especially whenever God asks us to submit. Now, this is not just a ladies thing. How many of you know all us guys, uh, and, and there's, there's people in society we have to submit to. And really, at times, our own wives, you understand that, whenever she's right. You remember in the Old Testament, one place, God told Abraham to do what Sarah had said. Sarah had heard from God, and Abraham hadn't heard from God in that situation. God said to Abraham, do what she said. Amen. So really, it's a submitting to one another. And yet, what the, what the issue is, is if two people in this marriage union I'm talking about, if they can't make a decision together, then the husband is responsible to get before God and make the decision based on, uh, you know, his, the, the best interest of the family or his wife having that at heart, you know. It's just not about what he wants. It's what's the Lord saying to do in this situation. And that can be a tough thing to submit to because a human being can make mistakes. Am I, am I in the right room this morning? But uh, whenever a wife knows that her husband has his or her best interest at heart, that he has the heart of Jesus, that he wants to, to bring the blessings of God into the family and into the relationship, then it makes it an easier thing. Amen. Praise God. Our society submitting to the spouse means you, I mean, a lot of people have this idea. It means you cease to exist as an individual uh, and is a sign of weakness. But that's not what submission is. It doesn't mean you cease to exist as an individual or that you cease to be, have, you know, your own personality or, or your own will or, or you don't have any uniqueness or you don't ever get to do what you like to do. That's not, that's not what submission is all about. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You give me some time to get this out? 
Uh, the submission that God tells us to do is, is to do it as unto the Lord. Uh, and submission is not for the weak. It takes strength of character and it takes faith in God to do it. Amen. Amen. It is the plan of God designed to work for our benefit. All of us have somebody to submit to. None of us get to see. Teenagers, they grow up and they think, well, I'm going to do things my way and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And then all of a sudden they start running into some block walls. And they have to realize that they're living in a society where there's structures of authority everywhere. Government, the, the, the school down there at the college, there are people in charge. You don't get to do what you want to do. You know, and everywhere you go, there's, there's some sort of structure of authority. And God has set up structures of authority. We're not talking here about the, the authority of the believer that we all have over the enemy. We're talking about authority in corporate effort. Anytime there is more than one person working together, you listening to me? This is a leadership of corporate effort. Authority is leadership for corporate effort. Amen. When there's more than one working together, somebody has to be in charge. It's an office set by God to lead. In marriage, God said, the man has the final decision in these kinds of things. That's not so he can throw himself around and say, I'm the head honcho. Submit to me. He's, he's thinking of the best of his family and of his wife. Amen. Amen. It's more of a servant leadership than it is a dictator kind of thing. The man is serving by leading, leading them into the best God has for them. Amen. So it's, it's the, the plan of God. And uh, it is really there to protect. Amen. Uh, back over, and we won't go there, but in Luke chapter number 7, there's a good example of some of this. In Luke 7, we find a man, uh, the centurion, who had a servant who was sick. And the Bible said that that servant, uh, or the, 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 the centurion, actually went to Jesus for his healing. Actually, some, some accounts, I think it's Luke's account, said he sent others uh, in his stead. But anyway, he sent word to Jesus to come and heal his servant. And he said, my servant lieth at the point of death. Uh, he said, I say to this man, do it. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. In other words, this servant is submitted to me. So this centurion could receive his servant's healing because of the position of submission that the servant took. And he was a good centurion. He wasn't somebody that was, you know, uh, wrong in his leadership style and so forth. He was somebody that, that was looking out for his servant's well-being. And he could actually exercise his faith for that servant and get something for him. That's what really authority is set in our lives to do. Now, the Lord showed it to me this way one time. The word authority, it has the word author in it. Authority. <laughs> author. The authorities that God sets in our... Now, everybody, we know that every area of authority that God has ever set up, governmental authority is one of them. The Bible talks about in Romans 13, that's ordained of God. Did you know that, governmental authority? Uh, in all of these areas, we'll go over all of them, but in all of them, there have been people that have d- done it correctly and people that have abused their position of authority. We're not talking about the person in the authority. We're talking about the office itself. A person in the office can abuse it, but that doesn't do away with, you know, marriage. A parent can abuse their authority that they have over that child to bring it up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But that doesn't mean if they abuse it that we take it, that that parenting isn't right. You know, we don't, we don't do away with the office or the position of authority because somebody in that position did the wrong thing. 
government authority is ordained of God, but Hitler abused it. You understand? So there are, there are things we've got to understand. There's governmental authority, there's parental authority, there's spiritual authority, there is, uh, uh, there's a thought, the boss, on the Bible talks about the boss submitting to your employer, you know, and uh, missing one. What's the other one? Some of you Bible scholars ought to tell me. Well, marriage, yeah, the one, the one we're talking about. Wow, we we'll miss that one. There's, there's, it's not something that makes that person better than somebody else. Like the president is the highest office in our nation, but that doesn't make him a better person than anybody else. Isn't that right? So it's not a matter of, and, and whenever we understand these things, neither the husband nor the wife will have an axe to grind on these issues. But it's not a matter of one person being better or one person is, is less important than the other person. It's not a matter of not being equal before God. Because the Bible says that there's neither male nor female in the eyes of God. It's not a matter of equality or trying to obtain equality. It's a matter of different roles in authority. There's differences of authority, but not differences in equality. Y'all out there, you're going home. Now, the, the, there is a difference between uh, the authority or there are different roles that they have. Men and women are equal spiritually. He said that in 1 Peter 3, 7 there. He said, they're heirs together. You husbands remember this. They are heirs together of the grace of life. Equal. I said equal. Heirs together of the grace of life. So men and women are equal spiritually. They are equal heirs. Amen. Amen. There are some differences in their their physical makeup and some emotional makeup and so forth. Uh, One is more cut out for leadership more than the others, more than the ladies. That doesn't mean they can't be in leadership. Just generally speaking, they're more cut out. Men are more cut out for those kinds of things. Amen. 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 Don't don't get upset about it. Well, honey, I knew this wasn't our church. I tried to tell you this wasn't our church. He's preaching on submission. Well, if you won't get all bowed up about it, you might get some help. Amen. Submission means to, with, to retire, withdraw, yield to somebody else, and follow their lead. Retire your ideas. Amen. The only way you can submit is to place your faith in God. Knowing that He's the one that said to do this. Now, you're not submitting to something ungodly. I'm not talking about that. Remember last week we talked about this to a degree? There's some things that, 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 see, submission doesn't equal obey. You can have a submissive attitude about something but not be all bowed up in rebellion about it. Obey means to actually do the thing that they ask. To submit is an attitude. And you can keep a right attitude about something and not and, and decide and tell somebody sweetly and reverently and respectfully, you know, be, before God, I just, I'm, I can't do that. It really bothers my conscience. Amen. You know, and he's my Lord, you know. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? But that doesn't mean have an old bowed up rebellious attitude about it. That's not going to do a thing to draw him to God. That's actually going to push him away. Amen. So the only way you can submit is to place your faith in God. Hallelujah. If you're going to place your faith in God, then you won't fall apart every time your husband makes a wrong decision and makes a mistake. Because your faith isn't in him, your faith is in God. God, it's you that helps him to see what we need to do here. 
I've given him my input, my suggestions, and we haven't been necessarily seeing it eye to eye, but, but I'm leaving it up to him, you know? Yeah. And I'm trusting in you. Amen. And if it costs some money financially, you wives have to realize it's not an easy thing to stay there and to not get all upset about it. I told you, I told you, I told you. Come on, yeah. And start clamping down and not letting him make the decision the next time. Don't walk around in fear thinking you have to control all his actions and decisions as a result of his, him making a wrong decision. That'll fill your marriage with strife and that's doing exactly opposite of what 1 Peter 3 said. Amen. Y'all out there, you're going home. So turn him over to God. God will take care of him. He has to slap him around, whatever he has to do. This is the reason you don't want to just jump into a marriage before you know somebody can hear from God. I mean, you, you, you ladies, you young single ladies, you don't want to just jump into a marriage because he looks like Tom Selleck. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the typical stereotype of what somebody's supposed to look like. <laughs> I can say more, but I won't. You know what I mean about that? There ought to be an, an understanding of how he responds to uh, taking leadership. Is he a dictator, a tyrant, and a bully, and you know? And a lot of times I've learned this over my, my, uh, my experience in walking with God, and I'm not, I don't know everything, but I've learned this. To get to know some people, well, a lot, really just about anybody, you have to see them in all different settings and all different situations before you can really sometimes see what's really on the inside of them. That's why the Bible says don't put young people and novices into leadership and in the church. Because they got to be, they got to be, you got to find out who they really are in this kind of situation, in that kind of situation. You know, they're going to just throw up their hands and quit. Well, <laughs> that doesn't help. Amen. And so you got to take some time and find out about somebody. Praise God. So men and women are equal, but they have different roles of responsibility in marriage. Genesis 2.20 calls the wife the help meet for him, fit or suitable, proper. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So God says that, that, and this was God's idea. God said this, that the man needs help. I'm telling you what the Bible said. It said the man needs help. That doesn't bother me at all. Because I know I need help. Shouldn't bother anybody in here. God was the one that said, God, I mean, excuse me, the man needs help. And woman was his solution to the problem. Some of you ladies should have shouted up and got your hankies out. That's right, Pastor, that's right. Woman. Or his wife, not just women in general, but his wife was his solution. <laughs> Praise God. I've met a lot of men. If it wasn't for their wife, they'd be messed up bad. Of course, we've met a lot of women too. If it wasn't for their husband. Hallelujah. No one loses their value by humbly assuming the role of helper. Nobody loses their value. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. Does he, does he take some lesser important? Is, does he lose value because he helps us? No. Amen. Nobody loses value or importance or significance by helping somebody else. Amen. 
See, the help implies function, not worth. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is, is lower in worth to me because he's my helper. Dear God. No, he's, he's God. But yet he has assumed the role of helping me. Oh, my goodness. Well, see, well, I'm woman. Okay, assume the role of helping. Amen. You're the help meet for him. Praise God. To walk away from this function is to walk away from your calling within the marriage. Now, there's a two-way thing about this, you understand. But uh, there's a place for the woman to help the man. 1 Peter 3, 1 says, go over there again. In fact, uh, we're here in Ephesians. Let's go over to 1 Peter 3, 1. It starts out by saying, Likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be won by the, uh, uh, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Other translations say adapt yourselves. I believe it's the Amplified. It says adapt yourself. And that's a two-way street. In marriage, you really, to, to be uh, submitted to one another just means to, uh, to get along. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes after some counseling meetings, I want to just look at them and say, I mean, I just want to scratch my head and say, I wish I could have just said what I thought. <laughs> just get along. Amen. Give in to one another. Amen. You know, people get their heels stuck in the ground. I refuse to move from this. Well, if it's a, if, if it's a major spiritual issue which you can't compromise on, that's one thing. But if it's just something small about how some decision is made... Get along. Get along. I was talking. Well, no, excuse me. I wasn't talking. I heard somebody uh, talking about they were an elderly couple. I don't know, up in their 70s, late 70s or early 80s maybe. And I think it was an interview on TV, if I remember right. That they, they, they said, uh, what's the key to your long marriage? And they said, oh, we just, years ago, we decided to stop fussing at one another. Yeah. I said, like, there's a whole lot of revelation in that statement right there. In other words, you just need to pick out what's really important and, yes. and, and take a stand for things like that. Not all these other. Amen. That's right. Amen. Come on. You know, Amen. Uh, these other little things. Amen. 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 Get along. Amen. Everybody turn to your spouse and say, just, we're going to get along. Just give in to one another. Amen. That's really weak. I would like to hear that louder there. Amen. Praise God. So adapt. Adapt. Everybody say adapt. Marriage just has to have that happen. I mean, you know, two people that used to be all on their own, now now they got to work together. And it requires adapting to one another. Marriage has sometimes failed because people refuse to do that. It might be because of the husband's leadership that the wife refuses to adapt. Or lack thereof, I should say, lack of leadership. Praise the Lord. So everybody turn to your neighbor and say, we're learning about the, how to walk in love with one another. <laughs> submission is an act of your will. Yes. Yes. I said submission is an act of your will. Yes. Submitting to God is the foundation yes. for submitting to one another. Amen. That's, what, that's what this is really saying here. If you read these verses in Ephesians real closely. Being submitted to God is the foundation. Amen. Amen. 
So we must be submissive to one another. And if there's a disagreement, can't make agreement, then the husband has to take the lead and make that decision. But it's, it's, he's to take that leadership role in the fear of God. Because he submitted to God. And knowing that he's going to have to give an account for the decisions he's made. He's going to have to answer to the Lord. So he submits to his wife by reverencing the word and reverencing God in the decision that he makes. Laying aside his plans and aligning himself with the will of God for his role of leadership. Amen. Amen. So he's actually submitting to God. It's not, it's not that he's just the head honcho and gets to do whatever he wants. He's the one that has to seek God and find out what, 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 you know, what are we doing here? What's the decision? Can you say amen? amen? So it means submitting to, because uh, remember over in James 5, it says, uh, uh, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's talking about exercising authority over the devil. And then it says, uh, uh, submitting yourselves. Let me get it right here. It says, uh, well, let me get it. I got to go back and read. I can't, I can't get it uh, quoted right. This is James 5, verse number 7. Listen to this. I think that's, uh, that's the wrong verse. Where is it? James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you is what I'm trying to get. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Now, we reread that and we say, well, that's easy. I can submit to God. But then whenever it comes to submitting to one another in marriage, people get nervous. Now, actually, how do you submit to God? Have you ever had this thought? This would be a good thought for you to have. Submitting to God actually means submitting to His structure of authority. Parents who are given authority to train up a child in the way he should go, uh, uh, when a child submits to that, they're just not submitting to their parents. They're submitting to God. Did you know that? If a man gets caught robbing a bank, rather than have a shootout, if he puts his hands up, he's submitting to God. No, yes he is, because Romans 13 says that they are the the, the government officials, including the the police force and the military. They are God's ministers, it says. Hallelujah. You take away the authority of government and police and all of that in our nation, you'd have chaos just like that. They're ordained of God. People have abused it. We understand that. But that doesn't do away with the authority of the police force. I thank God for the police force. You ought to thank them every time you see them. I don't get in the airport as much as I used to. We used to travel all over the United States. And we go through the airport and see military guys coming back off their, you know, their duty or whatever. Or whatever. Or going to their duties. Uh, we oftentimes we just walk up to them and say, I just want to thank you for serving. Because they're really serving us. They're, you know, people protecting this nation. Hallelujah. Anyway, there's a whole lot of that that we need to understand. But here's the thing. He says here very clearly that we're to submit ourselves to God and resist the devil. So submitting to God includes being submitted to God-ordained authority or his structure of authority. Amen. Now, we're not talking about the authority of the believer here whenever we say submit ourselves to God's structure of authority. Every believer has authority over the enemy, over Satan, but we don't necessarily all have authority over one another to make each other do what we want, them to, what we want each other to do. It is, there are people that God has placed in all of our lives in these places of authority, parental authority, and all these ones that I've mentioned, that, that God has told us that I will bless you through that if you will submit to that. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Now, not to ungodly demands, you know, but just uh, people that have the right heart about it and that are looking out for our well-being. For example, the police, you know, 99.9% of the police force, I guess, or whatever, high percentage of them anyway, they're looking out for our well-being. They're taking care of us. You understand that? So we, uh, we are blessed through submitting to them. That's, that's, that's the way God set it up. And God has given them authority. And what authority enables them to do is to author blessings in our lives. The word author means somebody that, that, that originates something. They, they originate. In other words, there's some things you won't get directly from God. It's going to come through submitting to the authorities that God has set in our lives. That's good preaching, whether we like it or not. You young people just know that growing up. You're not, you're, you're not an island all to yourself. You get to just do whatever you want to do. You're living within a culture that there are many structures and organizations and things the way, people, the way, the way God has set things up. Amen. Can you say amen or can you... What, are you getting anything out of this? So that authority is there to author some blessings. Now, that's what the role of the husband is to do. He's to see himself as a vessel that God can bless his wife through. I didn't say that that's the only way God can bless her, that's, that's, that, or that salvation is through her husband. That's all. I'm not going there. That's not scriptural. You understand? I'm just saying here is a channel. God can bless her. Amen. Not, not, she has a relationship with God. You understand that herself. So I think, you, I think you're, most of you are, you know, you have your mind renewed enough to know what I'm talking about, not get weird on that. Amen. Amen? Amen. If you don't, we'll just have to say, well, you didn't really listen to what I was saying. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So this authority is there to give leadership for corporate effort. Yes. When two or more people are working together, somebody has to take the head. Like I said, anything with more than one head is a freak. Hallelujah. So there's a difference between submitting and obeying. We've covered that. Uh, But then what we've got to exercise and understand is this. uh, God is not saying that the man is better than the the wife. It's just a position of leadership that he has given her. Actually, what he is, uh, excuse me, what she is submitting to is she is submitting. Now, remember, it says, as we do to Christ, the head of the church. What Jesus did for the church, by, submi- by the church submitting to Jesus, Jesus picked her up and set her right beside him. That's exactly what he did. He raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places. Amen. One of the reasons we submit to him freely is because he seated us with him as an equal. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what we're submitting to. We're not submitting to a tyrant with a, with a fly swatter or a ball bat. We're submitting to someone who in love brought us up, made us equal to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what 1 Peter 3, 7 is saying. Do this with your wife. She's an heir, a joint heir together with you in the grace of life. And he's telling us, he told us in 1 Peter, us men in 1 Peter 3, 7, to not do that, to not treat her, see her as an equal. As far as, uh, you know, valuable before God is to hinder our prayers. Now, why? Because God sees that as not walking in love. Amen. In Christ, Galatians 3, 28 says there's neither male nor female. Remember that? 
When both has, husband and wife understand that before God they're equal. Yeah. None of them have an axe to grind, like I said. They're secure in their importance. Amen. They're, in uni- they're secure in their uniqueness. Amen. Amen. Which comes so- solely from God. Amen. They don't have anything to prove. Amen. Amen. Christianity, wherever it has gone, has always, this has been one of its greatest contributions to society where Christianity has gotten into that society. It always brings women up higher than any other religion or mindset or anything like that. We don't realize it here until we get in other countries sometimes, you know. Christianity always elevates women up. That's one of the greatest contributions to the society. Now, go over to Genesis 3.16. So this might be a little hard to understand as we get through this, but if you ladies hang on and don't, don't tune me out, you'll, you'll get something here. Genesis chapter 3, this is a, after the fall of man, we find God saying this, because uh, Adam followed his wife, who was actually uh, deceived into taking the fruit. He followed his wife into it. And because he followed his wife, he got into it. Actually, God had planned for the man to take the lead and keep the enemy, the serpent, out of the garden. Uh, so he wasn't taking his place. It wasn't just the wife. It was, it was Adam not taking his place. Amen. But then after that, as a result of the fall, God said this in Genesis 3, verse number 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Well, um, what does that all mean? What he said here, this is how the fall of man affected women. He said, actually, in the marriage relationship. Now, um, her desire, the word desire in the Hebrew means to stretch over or run over. In other words, what God's saying here is that women will seek to manipulate or rule over or run over their husbands. Because of the fall. Now, husbands have certain things that they kind of seek to do as a result of the fall, which is out of place, just as much. But I wanted you to see the, what he said about the woman here. That's good. Amen. Don't, don't get offended at me, you ladies. There's redemption. Praise God. <clears throat> Hold on. So that's, that's where all women's lib comes from. Now, unless you think I'm, I'm opposed to women being liberated, Jesus was the original women's lib, to be honest with you. Just hold on. Don't get offended. Don't tone me out because I'm preaching the Bible here. Some of these things are hard to be uttered, the Bible says. Amen. So what we find here is that because of the fall, man was going to, uh, I mean, excuse me, women were going to have this desire to run over their husbands. That's what the word literally means. Desire means to run over. Or stretch over. In other words, stretch authority over them. That's what he's talking about. So he said, believing that they could do a better job making decisions and leading the family, they would seek to overrun their husband's leadership. Amen? Hello? Now, he said, the husband, God's God's plan is still that the husband have the leadership role. He hasn't changed his mind about that. Even in the New Testament, he's still got that in mind. We see that from the scriptures we just read. Amen. Amen. Now, with that in mind, this is where all women's lib comes from. Now, lest you misunderstand me, there's a lot of good that has come out of women's lib. But then there's these unscriptural ideas that have come out of women's lib. You know, the women back years ago didn't have the right to vote. And they were all, you know, they were considered second class and property of the man. That's all stupid. And that needed, the women needed to be liberated from that. Amen. Amen. 
Isn't that right? Yes, sir. So there was a lot, and and there's a lot of good that has come out of that. However, we all know today that things have gone way beyond the light of the scriptures. There's no arguing that point. Amen. Now, this is the root of all the women's live movement, but the answer is not a movement. The answer for the ladies is a person. 1 Timothy 2.15 says, The woman was saved in childbearing. Didn't you ever read that verse? Well, that childbearing is referring to Jesus. When she gave birth to Jesus, she was bringing her own liberation into the earth. Amen. Liberation of women comes only through submitting to Jesus Christ. Amen. It began with the ministry of Jesus. You see Jesus ministering to women and and taking care of them just as much as men. And you see Jesus elevating them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now in the marriage, of course, the man is the the leader. But the, the thing that God gave the woman is actually power that comes from submitting to her husband. Now, that, what do I mean by that? Her respect for him, her desire to minister to him, of course, this is two-way street, but we're talking about ladies here. Her desire to minister to him will make him become putty in, in his hands. In her hands, excuse me. Putty in her hands. Amen. Whenever he knows that she's not trying to rise up and take over, but she's there to serve and minister and bless. And this is a two-way thing, you understand. But here's, I'm talking about the liberation of women here. Whenever she takes that role, she actually gets power from taking that role and she can actually influence, not manipulate. There's a difference between manipulation and influence. She can influence him toward the right things. <laughs> Praise God. There's a difference, like I said, between manipulation and influence. Not submitting in a worldly sense, but in a, in a godly biblical sense. She's turning her husband over to God is what she's doing. Now the Holy Spirit can work freely in him. When she has a rebellious attitude that is taking matters into her own hands, whenever he's always making decisions wrong and so forth, she's going to take, you know, why didn't you find that out before you got married anyway? If he can make right decisions. See, some of these things are really needing to be dealt with. Some of the problems in marriage need to be dealt with before the marriage ever took place. Amen. 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 We know there are bozos out there. (laughs) You shouldn't need to get close to them. You know what I'm talking about? But I'm talking about somebody that is, is, is God's plan for your life, that has submitted himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. A lady can, can uh, come into a place of, of serving him, just like he's serving her. You understand, I, you know, you don't want to get the wrong idea about this, but, but I'm talking about in the positions of authority here. When a rebellious attitude is in the woman, she takes matters into her own hands and cuts off the move of the Holy Spirit. But whenever she takes her place, she's putting in him in God's hands. Amen. Find out and, and, and see what God will do, because he'll do some great things. You have to do this by faith. Amen. You're honoring God by taking that role. The husband is more easily won by the submissive attitude of the wife than he is by nagging or coercing. Amen. (laughs) Now I'll say this and just duck. 
Proverbs 27, 15, a continual uh, uh, dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Contention is not the way God ordained for the wife to influence her husband. Y'all out there? Now, that can work and the husband might change because of her forcefulness and her, we call it, nagging. Amen. She might change just to get her off his back. But he'll be resentful of that. And it hasn't fixed the real root of the problem in your relationship. The real root is the relationship's upside down. And that just gave, he just gave in to your demands. And ultimately, he won't feel like a man to give in and you won't feel like a woman to coerce him. That is good preaching. Now, just to get down where the rubber meets the road, go over to 1 Peter 3. Now, if you're a visitor here this morning, this is one of the first times, I think one other time I've shared this briefly, just to test the waters and see if it was palatable. <laughs> Amen. We don't share on this every Sunday. Been here for nine, almost nine years, and I think maybe twice we've talked about this. Amen. We're not up here harping on something every Sunday about this. You know, probably, I, if I've been out of balance in any area, I've been out of balance with talking about how husbands are, treat their wives right. Yeah, right. This is, truth. this is truth in the Bible right here just as much as that is. Amen. Now, go over here. Are you in 1 Peter chapter number 3? Notice what he said here, that Abraham and Sarah are to be our examples. Somebody said, I, I like so-and-so's marriage. I'm going to kind of learn from them. There's two people in the Bible that you are to learn from as a husband. Number one, Jesus. Number two, Abraham. You wives, there's two people that you're to learn from. Number one, the body of Christ and the way she's to submit to Christ. And number two, Sarah. Amen. That's the only two people Jesus or the Bible said to follow. Amen. Other people might be a good example, all right, but they could miss it. Amen. Look here in 1 Peter 3. Notice what he said. Everybody still happy? Not, nobody's mad out there? Now he's talking about the wives and speaking to them. He uh, goes down, let's see, you go down here to bit, let's start in verse number, verse 5. After this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. And mainly he's talking here about Sarah, because he says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as well as you, as, as long as you do well, now notice this, and are not afraid with any amazement. I never, I never understood that for years. I just, I just got by me. I never understood that. Are not afraid with any amazement. And he says, likewise, you husbands, and and we've talked about that. We will talk more about it. Now, and are not afraid with any amazement. What does that mean? Well, it can be a very fearful thing to submit to somebody else. Because they could make wrong decisions. They could take advantage of that. And so forth and so on. A human being could. God won't. But a human being could get in the flesh. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Absolutely the truth. It can be a very fearful thing to submit to somebody else. Now, what he's talking about here is that these holy women of God. Now, notice verse number five. After this man of the holy women of God also who trusted in God. What he's saying is it takes faith in God to take this place. And there's been times in my life it took faith in God to, to follow her lead, my wife's lead, because I knew in my heart she was right. But it took faith to, to respond to that and take, take the, you know, the, the uh, role of yielding to that. 
Really, it's not about who got their way. It's about what does God want in this situation and who's hearing from God the best. I mean, we're going to be blessed. Us guys are blessed if our wife heard from God and we follow that. We're going to be blessed. Now, what that ought to do is make you have, if she's always the one hearing from God, that ought to make you want to learn to hear from God. And she ought to be protected from a headless husband like that. I mean, a headless marriage is what I'm trying to say, like that. Where it's just not taking his place. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're almost to, to the part we really want to get to here this morning. Now, what he's saying here is that Abraham and Sarah, actually the word Sarah, remember her name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. Sarai, let, let me back up. Sarah means princess. Sarai means contentious. <laughs> it means she was contentious. Now, God had promised them a child. Had he not? Sarah had received that promise. In other words, she had heard of that promise. And she was uh, an heir of that promise. And the Bible says she was a very beautiful woman. You remember there was a time that Abraham uh, told somebody that she was his sister in order to keep the, the king, who they were coming into this king's land, to keep that king from killing Abraham to get her to be a wife. You know, because he thought, well, if, she's, he'll, you know, if she, he knows she's married, he'll try to get her. Because she was so beautiful. So she was no, uh, you know, she was nice looking. Praise God. I believe in looking good. Don't you believe in looking good? Amen. Amen. Some of you need to say amen. I'm, I'm looking good this morning. Now she looked good and she was a beautiful woman, but she was a contentious woman. Amen. amen. Abraham, um, God changed her name to Sarah, which means princess. Now, in other words, we know from certain things that she was a contentious woman. Back there earlier, we find her fussing with Abraham about some things. Now, if... If uh, she was a contentious woman and had a promise of a child, why did it take so long for that promise to come to pass? And there was an Abraham side to this as well. We know some things about Abraham, how after 25 years, he finally got it together. But here's the point. It wasn't until Sarah at the age of 90, because it says here she obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. That was at the age of 90. Whenever the angel came and was talking to Abraham, she was sitting in the tent. And the angel said to Abraham outside the tent, Sarah, your wife is going to conceive a bare child. She laughed in her heart. But she said, shall I conceive my Lord being old and I'm old? She had a respectful term for him there. So whenever her beauty wore off and she couldn't use that anymore. At 90 years old. Had been married to Abraham 60 years. She's all dried up. He's all dried up. Their outward beauty had faded. And she finally grew up and stopped being contentious with Abraham. Amen. She became Sarah the princess. And on that day, she chose to make Abraham, to give Abraham the proper place God intended for him to have. And as a result, her prayers were answered. She conceived Isaac miraculously and a promise she had for many years came to pass. I believe in some cases today that a woman's response to her husband is what's keeping, or lack wrong response, I mean, is what's keeping her from receiving the promises God has for her. Why? Because of fear. Yeah, that's good. 
That's what he, she said. Finally here, she had to get over fear. Isn't that what he said here? She trusted in God. She called Abraham a respectful term rather than contentious with him. She became respectful toward him. And she was not afraid to submit herself to Abraham. Mm. Amen. Submission can be a very tough thing. And it can make a person afraid. But when a wife lets go and embraces faith in God, understanding that she is an equal with her husband before God, then the power of God can go to work. Amen. 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 She becomes uh, a receiver of what God has for her. And this way, she fully reversed Eve's transgression. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Submission, write this down. Submission is a true is truly a wife's valiant act of faith. <laughs> is what it is. It is a valiant act. It's not for the faint of heart. Anybody that has to submit to anybody is not it doesn't come easy. Amen. And marriage, you understand, in many cases, is submitting to one another. Praise the Lord. Debbie and I never miss it if we're in agreement and we make a decision. Where I miss it is if she's not in agreement and I do the thing anyway. I've missed it in times like that. But we have never missed it whenever we've been in agreement. I don't mean I forced her into it or she forced me into the decision. But if we were in agreement and, 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 and we weren't fussing about it and we both had the thing in our heart the same way, it works every time. Every time. But if one of us is trying to push the other one into it, and then we finally we give in, we've missed it big time. We've missed it where it costs us thousands of dollars. Amen. Praise God. She'll help you avoid a lot of problems. She's kind of a, she's kind of a help in hearing from God as well. Hello. Now, if, if we can't come together on a decision, then I go prayerfully and find out what God's saying. And I, sometimes I walk in fear and trembling in situations like that. A lot of times the best thing to do is just wait and don't do anything at all. Because if we can't get in agreement, you understand you guys? You might just have to take some time and pray. Amen. Now, of course, we understand, too, that uh, we've always, you know, there's all kinds of situations or situations where the, the, the one spouse wants to walk with God and the other one wants to be carnal. It's impossible for two to walk together if one of them wants to be carnal or wants to just be governed by their emotions or wants to be, you know, fleshy about something. That's the problem. Can you say amen? But marriage can be wonderful if we submit to one another. Now, go back there to Ephesians and we'll wrap this up. Ephesians 5.23. We'll wrap this up. Praise God. You learning anything out of this? Boy, there's so much we could say. Wow. Let me ask you that Jesus is the good shepherd. Isn't the Jesus the good shepherd? You're going to Ephesians there. But Jesus is the good shepherd. How many of you know that the Bible says and the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want? Do you know that whenever we walk in what Jesus provided for us, we show the whole world how good our shepherd is? Whenever we're not walking in want, we show the world he's a good shepherd. In other words, the body of Christ is a reflection. Of Jesus, the head of the church. She is to be the reflection of Christ. Same way, a wife is to be the reflection of her husband. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians, what is it, 11 there? That uh, she reflects her husband. She's the glory of her husband. That word means reflects the glory. In other words, how good he's treating her is reflected in whether she's whole emotionally, you know, 
words of abuse and words of, of, of criticalness and words of, that don't nourish and cherish, they make a wife emotionally right. wrought up, you know. Yeah. 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 And that's not a good reflection on the husband. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now think about this. Let's say we were having, and I've used this illustration before. Maybe, uh, maybe some of you remember, but let's say we were having a, a competition today. And, and let's say Cedar Rapids was sort of a, a, a culture where it was, uh, the main industry was sheep, having, raising sheep. And we were going to have a good shepherd competition. Everybody brings their sheep, all the shepherds that have their sheep out on the hillsides are going to come in and they're going to uh, parade their sheep down through the, the uh, main street of Cedar Rapids and we're going to judge, we're going to see who's, who's the best shepherd. Are we going to look at the shepherd or are we going to look at the sheep? We're going to look at the sheep. Let's say we've got a shepherd that has, he's decked out. He comes down through. He's got a golden sash on. He's got a golden rod. He's all decked out. And he's coming down there and we're judging. And then we look at the sheep and the sheep are mangy. They're, they're blind. Some of them are blind. Some of them you can see their ribs limping, you know. No, he's not going to get the good shepherd award. Isn't that right? Same way with the church. How well we're doing is reflective of how good a shepherd we have. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you know the same thing's true about your wife, man? Uh, Not too many amens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to recognize that we are, uh, our wives are a representation of us. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Now, Here in Ephesians, notice what it says in verse 23 and 24. We're wrapping this up. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Say say that out loud, Savior of the body. body. Therefore. Everybody say therefore. therefore. In other words, the reason that we submit to Jesus is because of how good he is to us. Savior of the body means how well he takes care of us. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. So, the Savior of the body, because He's so good, is the reason we submit to Jesus. And the reason your wife should submit to you is because you're treating her so well. And you have her her best interest at heart. Isn't that right? The husband has the heart of Jesus. He's nourishing and cherishing his wife. He's ministering to her. He wouldn't do anything to hurt her. He wants the best for her. Amen. Therefore, when she submits to her husband... Who has, who has the, the saving of her, and you know, he's not her savior, you understand, but has, has Jesus' ministry of savior to her in, at his heart. Yes. To minister to her and to bless her and to take care of her, nourish her. If he has that ministry of Jesus as savior in his heart toward his wife, when she submits to him, what's going to happen is she'll experience the benefits of her Lord's salvation. Amen. Through you. She's, she's saved without you. You understand? Through, through Jesus directly. But there's things God wants to minister to her through you. That's what authority is for. It's to be a blessing. To minister blessing. To author blessing. Amen. Whenever a man has his wife's well-being at heart, she'll experience the benefits of God and the benefits of salvation that come through Christ. Because she's submitting to you who is submitted to Jesus, the head of the church. Or is to be submitted to Jesus, the head of the church. She should have, according to Deuteronomy 32, 30, 10 times more blessings. Because one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. There ought to be a multiplication of everything she gets. Tenfold. 
What do I mean the blessings of salvation? Let me just quickly go through a few of them. Number one, wholeness of soul. In other words, she shouldn't be all wrought up and afraid of you, uh, of your uh, tyrant, you know, anger, anger spurts. Manipulating through anger. Wholeness of soul. Freedom from fear. She should have no fear of you. Respect and fear. You know, the Bible uses that term fear, but it's a different word. It's respect. Respect and fear are two different total things. Freedom from fear is you. She should not be afraid of you at any. She shouldn't be afraid to come to you with something bad that happened for fear. You're going to blow up, you know. There should be no fear there. No fear there whatsoever. So these are things that she should have ministered through you. Nourishment. Cherishing. Uh, That includes the words we speak. But that also has to do with emotional things too. A whole lot we could say about that, but we're already out of time. Number, uh, whatever, number four or five here, whatever. Another thing she should be experiencing is complete unselfish love. That puts her, puts her well-being first. That ministers to anybody. <laughs> An unselfish love thinking about somebody else's well-being. How many of you know that always endears you to somebody? So she should be experiencing that because you're following in the, in the, in the lordship of Jesus over you and loving her. Amen. Number whatever, the next one that is, no mental abuse. Amen. Amen. She should not be experiencing mental abuse. You see, there's different kinds of abuse. Physical abuse, we all, we all know that's wrong. Amen. But sometimes people don't recognize mental abuse. Wrong words Amen. spoken. I've met women that are so mentally, they literally had to get away from their husband in order to keep from falling apart. So be it. You know what I mean? I don't blame them. In fact, my wife and I help rent them an apartment. Get away from you. Probably not too many pastors that are bold like that, but we are. Another thing that she should experience is words that invoke her beauty. Sweet words. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a lack of manhood to say things sweet to your wife. Come on. Amen. I was out to eat with somebody one day. You know, some of those tables you can write on the tablecloth. They're just paper. I got a red crayon and I put a I, then a heart, you, and drew drew a line to my wife sitting right here. And I told the person beside me, watch, watch, marriage one hundred and one, watch. <laughs> She was talking to somebody over there, and then she turned, she saw that. Oh, gave me a big kiss. I said, see, told you, I told you. <laughs> Next one. Honor that dignifies her. She should be experiencing you honoring her and respecting her. Amen. Amen. Honor that lifts her up ministers, encouragement to her, and so forth and so on. Another one, we talk about all these other things. Maybe, maybe we ought to talk about this one. Money. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Moolah. Here, honey, here's a thousand dollars. Go enjoy them all. Yeah. Ooh, suki. <laughs> well, hey, you spent that on your hunting equipment. Yeah. All right faithfulness. She should experience faithfulness. She should have no fear of you leaving her for a 25-year-old. No fear. Absolutely no fear. No fear. She knows she's gotcha. There should be no fear there. Your eyes are for her only. 
Amen. Protection. Here's one thing she should be experiencing. Protection of decisions made without prayer. She should be protected from prayerless decisions. In other words, you should have a prayer life, sir, husband, man. Amen. You should be getting answers from God. You should be hearing from God. So she should have the protection from a, a prayerless decision. A decision made out of your head that waffles back and forth and is unstable and can't make a decision because you don't hear from God. She should be protected from that. Amen. Amen. Freedom from fear of your anger. We've already talked about that, which is just manipulation. Actually, it's witchcraft, you know. That's not right. Uh, We're not called to control anybody through fear fear or anything. Amen. 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 We're told not to fear man, the Bible says. Really, it's the devil. (laughs) Some women, I've I've, I've encouraged some women, you need to stand up to him. He's just controlling you through anger. The way they stood up to him, phew, just, just like she put a pin in him, phew, he just became a little guy again. It's just his, it was just the devil in him. It wasn't him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in 1 Samuel, we're closing. 1 Samuel 18, 8 through 10. You don't have to turn there. But you remember whenever Saul got offended and got jealous really of David because David was coming up and he got comp- competitive with David and trying to compete for leadership roles whenever the anointing was leaving Saul and it was coming on David and God was involved in all that, you know. Saul got uh, very, uh, at times he would throw swords and spears at David. Do you remember that? And uh, he became very... Uh, jealous of David and competitive and, and everything. And the Bible says in that verse, in those verses, 1 Samuel 18, 8 through 10, that Saul was very angry and competitive. He had fits of anger at David. And then it says within those verses that he was greatly oppressed also because he was yielding to an evil spirit. Yes. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. In other words, you men, if, if you are, and I'm not here, you know, how many of you know I'm not trying to correct anything that's happening that I know of right now? If we all listen to the Holy Ghost, we'll be way ahead of problems. Right. Right. I don't, I, nobody I'm gunning for here. Amen. <laughs> I don't know of any situations. But um, if you men are controlling your wife through anger, you're actually opening the door to your own mental oppression. Just like Saul did right here. He opened the door to this devil oppressing him and he could get no relief from that oppression except through the anointing on somebody else. He could not be free himself. He had to depend on somebody else to be free. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. He was actually yielding to an evil spirit. Now, if your wife submits to you, whatever's on you should show up in her. Or let me say it, it will show up in her, good or bad. If you have the things of God in you and on you, those things will show up in your wife because you'll just be a conduit to flow through, that God can flow through to bless your wife. Amen. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.